Welcome back to another episode of Meredith with a Y. I am your host, Meredith Willits, and I am going to keep talking today about emotionally immature people and how it affects your life. And today I'm getting into internalizers and externalizers, so stay with me. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Okay, so I can't even preface enough how important I think these topics are and this topic is of attachment disorders and attachment theory. And this is probably one of the most life-changing concepts inside of attachment. And this is a theory, excuse me, of internalizers and externalizers. And again, if you're still with me on this series, you are most likely an internalizer. So internalizers are mentally active and love to learn things. They try to solve problems from the inside out by being self-reflective and trying to learn from their mistakes. Externalizers take action before they think about things. They're reactive and do things impulsively to blow off anxiety quickly. They tend to not be self-reflective, assigning blame to other people and circumstances rather than their own actions. And again, I'm referencing the book, Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents, How to Heal from Distant, Rejecting, or Self-Involved Parents. And the reason I love this part of this book so much is because as an internalizer, I internalize everything I internalize, am I causing other people problems? How can I solve this problem? Why is this problem my fault? How can I fix it? I, 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 everything is on me to handle, to fix, to figure out, to worry about, to deal with. It doesn't matter. I am an internalizer. And as an internalizer, when you don't understand this concept and you are around externalizers, people who blame the world around them for everything, who think you should get over shit uh, as soon as it happens because they have no concept of time continuum and time reality, that if they offend you and then they're like, I didn't really mean that, that there is no ramification for their behavior or behaviors. And so when you're an internalizer and you're dealing with an externalizer where they are constantly putting things outside of them and then you are constantly putting stuff inside of self, taking on the externalizer's problems, when you feel their blame covering you in blame syrup, it's difficult. It's difficult for an internalizer to have the concept of an externalizer and get through it without understanding who they are. I always believed that my behaviors would change an externalizer and then I could become close to them. So let's talk about externalizers for a moment. The way I view an externalizer is that they have no ability, no desire to deal with anything going on inside of them because they will short circuit. Perhaps their childhood, everything was put on them. Perhaps they are a perfectionist. Perhaps they are a people pleaser. And so taking on internally 
any emotions or blame or shame is just not going to happen. They cannot deal in the currency of emotion. They cannot deal with intimacy between themselves and another person. So they externalize everything. Everything is a party. Everything is someone else's fault. The world around them is why they act the way that they do or have what they have or behave the way they behave or react the way they react. Whereas an internalizer takes all of that on themselves and doesn't really blame the world. They don't expect the world around them to figure things out. They don't ask for help. And so obviously there is huge room for improvement for mental health and feeling good and being mature, emotionally mature on both ends of the spectrum. Because if you internalize everything and don't ask for help, if you internalize everything and overload and and, and you know short circuit when you've internalized your entire day and then your kid comes up to you and says, hey, I'm hungry or I need a ride to baseball practice, you have the entire world sitting on your conscience. You have the entire world sitting on every nerve in your body. And then you're overwhelmed. And now you not only are internalizing the outside world, but now you're internalizing this next request. And that's where it gets tricky. I would rather be an internalizer where I want to do better. I want to learn what, how I tick, how I react, what's going on. How can I fix this? It's very, gets out of the blame or victim mentality. But I think that we also, as internalizers, need the balance of understanding that we can lean on other people and the world is not our fault or problem. And as externalizers, people who do blame the world around them, you know, the the world is why they're broke or, you know, their their spouse is why they're unhappy. Their kids are why they are, you know, busy all the time, which is... Very true, P.S. But as externalizers, nothing is their fault. They take no accountability. And their behavior is usually over the top. And then when they're around an internalizer, that internalizer is, quote, too sensitive. You're too sensitive. You take everything personally, right? Externalizers feel that competent People owe them help and tend to believe that good things have come to other people rather unfairly. Their main source of anxiety is that they will be cut off from the external sources their security depends on. I have recognized that as I've been doing this work and as I understand externalizers to play the game, the way they, they live in reality, their inability to be intimate emotionally, their inability to connect on an emotional level. They're into noise and and just, you know, living outside of the internal mental space. They do not live inside of their mental space. Everything is external. And as an internalizer who just thrives on intimacy, thrives on connection. I'd rather sit in a corner of a party and just like really get into a conversation. I thrive on intimate friendships. So when I'm around externalizers now, I can see what they're doing. 
and I do not lean into it. I don't thrive for an externalizer's intimacy anymore because I know it's not going to happen. I can look at them and say, I see you. I get it. We're not going to be able to go there. And as an internalizer, I have to tell you, this is monumental. This is life-changing shit. Because an internalizer, we're always seeking the gratification of an externalizer's intimate connection. And it's most likely never going to come because they say that they can see the difference in an individual this this concept of external or internal being obvious at around six months of age. So there's a very good chance that this is not only nurture, but also nature. This is in the DNA. This is in the composition of a human being. And that's fine. Internalizers certainly suffer more consciously, but their tendency to blame themselves has the silver lining of eliciting reassurance and support from others. In contrast, externalizers engage in behaviors that often exacerbate and anger others. So when they need help, others typically want to keep their distance. However, externalizers usually keep acting up until someone steps in to help them. They're constantly seeking outward validation. They're constantly seeking that attention. Externalizers tend to elicit punishment and rejection in contrast to well-behaved internalizers. Externalizers act their anxiety, pain, or depression. They do impulsive things to distract themselves from their immediate problems. Although this may help them feel better temporarily, it creates more problems down the road because they're not doing the work. They're not doing what actually needs to be done. They're blaming they're, they're focusing on the outside. Externalizers don't get a chance to grow or learn from mistakes because they expel stress as soon as it hits. Believing their problems need to be solved by someone else, they look to others to make them feel better, sometimes with a hint of resentment about not being helped sooner. We see this. You see this in your life. The person that's constantly inside of the blame game. It's everyone's fault but theirs. Help me, fix me, feed me, feed my ego. Externalizing children often struggle with behavior problems, impulsivity, emotional volatility, or even addictions. These ways of acting out have the advantage of masking their distress visible. Their pain doesn't stay unseen as it does with internalizers, though it may be misinterpreted as defiance, opposition, or senseless troublemaking. These are the kids that, these are the parents that, these are the adults, the people that it's constantly chaos. Being around them is like being in a tornado. Nothing is their fault. Nothing. It's all about the world around them. Like everything in human nature, personality characteristics don't occur in pure forms. Rather, any given trait exists along a continuum. Internalizing and externalizing occur on a spectrum, with the most severe examples of each differing profoundly from one another. Under the right conditions, each type can display behaviors and attitudes ordinarily associated with the other type. 
For instance, once an externalizer hits rock bottom, they sometimes open up to the idea that they may need to change instead of expecting the world to adjust to them. And when under severe stress, some internalizers start reacting as impulsively as an externalizer. You see, there is a beautiful synergy between being an externalizer and an internalizer, where an internalizer normally takes everything on. As they begin to grow, they recognize they can lean on other people. They can ask for help. They don't take on the world's problems. And if an externalizer wants to get healthy and wants to start growing, they recognize that they waiting for the outside world to you know, show up to fix them, to show up to help them, to lessen the anxiety. If they can do the work and, and start going inward a little bit more and recognizing that they are the problem, they are the solution, then the healing can begin. I think that this is probably some of the most life-changing information that a human being can have because this is where growth happens. This is where you start to recognize that you are not at the mercy of the outside world. And if you're an internalizer, you're not at the mercy of an externalizer. You're not here to serve externalizers. You're not here to fix the person that refuses to do the work. And when you're the child of an externalizer, you can learn quicker and quickly that it's imperative to stop trying to fill their void. It is so, so painful to try and fill the void or make a connection with someone who refuses to be emotionally intimate. You're not going to get there. And you sometimes just have to understand that. When you go to a, a family member's house and they're super needy and where have you been? And, you know, I missed you and the whole guilt trip, right? The whole guilt trip of why weren't you here for me? I needed you. Or the distancing of the externalizer where they just make noise all the time. It's just constant noise in their life. There's no real conversation. You hear about the weather all the time or what they're doing, but they never really ask you. There's no connection. And as an internalizer, this is so painful. It is so painful to try and be around someone who you will never, ever connect with. And the reason I believe that externalizers you will never connect with unless they do the work and understand what they're doing and they decide to make the change on their very own. The reason this is so painful is because the noise and the guilt and the nonsensical conversations about the weather and what they're doing all the time is just pushing you away farther and making you feel more alone, making you feel less, you know, worthy, less loved, isolated, alone, lonely, on an island, honestly. And you try and try and try to make a connection and you try to do all of these 
you know, behaviors and get the shiny star and, you know, be thin, be good, be nice, be special, be successful, do all the things that your parents made you feel that were these goals, these external goals that were set before you in childhood, that if you attained those, then something was going to happen. Then something was going to miraculously happen and they would somehow show up differently for you. But they can't because that's not who they are. Conditional behaviors, looking for unconditional love, doesn't happen. It can't happen. Unconditional love, by definition, means that there are no conditions placed on the love. But this is not how externalizers work because all the behaviors that they are requesting and need for their, you know, to tone down their anxiety, to for them to feel fulfilled and balanced and stable and grounded, all the behaviors will never fulfill them. They just need more and more and more. They are never satisfied because nothing inside of them can be satiated. They're always hungry for more. Their ego depends on it. Their well-being, their balance depends on you giving more. You are an extension of their ego. You are an extension. Your behavior is an extension of their well-being. So you just have to keep giving more. And it has to be in line with their values. It has to be in line with what they deem appropriate or good. And so any amount of failure or misbehavior or internalizing or stepping away from or not feeding their ego is selfish, is bad. And so you can never ever, ever do enough to get an externalizer's that a girl or that a boy. You just can't because there's always going to be more that is needed. They will never, ever be satisfied. This is life-changing, people. This is monumental if you are an internalizer. If you can grasp this, and you can start looking at people in your life and understanding their behaviors and who they are and how much they can give and why they're asking for more and how it will never, ever be enough, you can stop. You can start to just exist around them, recognizing who they are and doing what makes sense for you. And the weird thing that happens once you start seeing someone for who they are and how they behave and how they interact and how they feed off of you. And instead of taking it away, you just kind of put it down. You just put the healthy boundaries around you of this is what I'm willing to do in your own mind's eye, in your own self. This is where I end. 
limiting conversations. You know, I have five minutes to talk and I'm walking into a doctor's appointment. Oh yeah, I, I have 10 minutes to talk and then I have a phone call I have to take. Recognizing that they will continue to take life from you. They are the vampires of energy and behavior and ego. That's just the way they are. This doesn't make them a bad person. This isn't the blame game. Again, I, I will say a thousand times. But see, internalizers are highly sensitive. We are perceptive. We are constantly reading the room, especially if you were raised by externalizers, because their happiness was always in direct reflection of you. They were constantly volatile. Their day was volatile. Their day is volatile. Their behaviors are volatile. You know why? Because the world affects them to such a degree that there is no other way. They can't just go inside and find peace and calm in just being them. It's like constantly being pushed around over and over again like a kickball at the school grounds. They are the, the proverbial soccer ball. The tennis match, if you will, of their minds, of their emotions, of their joy, of their happiness, of their anger. It's constantly, it's constantly evolving to what is going on around them. And, and to be an internalizer and be around that is, is confusing at best and depressing at worst. The anxiety that builds being around someone where your behavior, your mood, your grades, what you got on, you know, did you win the game? Did you lose the game? Are you fat? Are you thin? Are you pretty? How's your acne? Did you get in a car accident? When you and your behaviors are the catalyst, the impetus, I think that might be a word, to your parents or your family members' happiness, and then add on top of that that they have bills and mortgage payments and a spouse and a job that's also causing them angst, there's no room for an internalizer. There's no room for you to grow. There's no room for you to be human. You got to be perfect. You have to be perfect. You have to walk on eggshells. You have to read the room. So not only are you an internalizer, but you're constantly reading the room for safety. Is mom in a good mood? Is dad going to come home pissed off? Is my room perfect? Did I get a good grade? Did I make a mess and forget to clean it up? Did I fight with my sibling? Because anything that I do is going to get feedback from my externalizing parent who has no ability to gauge their own emotions and deal with their own shit inside of themselves. Everything is about you. Everything is about their job. Everything is about them. Everything is about them. And you are only there to serve them by way of emotional ego gratification. Do you see how impossible this is? We see this in politics. 
where everything is everyone else's fault. Oh, it's the Democrats' fault. Oh, it's the Republicans' fault. Oh, it's this guy's fault. Oh, it's the fault of the illegal immigrants. Oh, it's the fault of the, you know, the the military. Oh, it's the fault of women. Oh, it's those damn LGBTQ plus people. If it wasn't for everyone outside of myself, I could make money. I could be happy. If it wasn't for everyone else, if it wasn't for the world around me, and then they focus on, you know, America first. Why? Because anything other than America first is going to cause me discomfort. I need to take care of me. This is the me mentality. This is not the us mentality. This is not the greater good of the world. This is not the greater good of humanity. This is me. What's mine? How can you fix me and my life? If it wasn't for you, I would be happy. Do you see how all of this can change the planet if we just started to see it? I honestly don't believe that, I mean, like they should take a personality test when like getting a job in politics, that there has to be at least equal parts externalizers and internalizers. Or that if you are an externalizer by way of your your test, you don't get to get in. I mean, I'm sure there's some sort of benefit to being an externalizer. I just don't know what it is. I don't see the benefit of being around people who have no self-reflection. I think it's exhausting. I think it's hopeless. I think it's helpless. I think it's victimizing. It's almost like being around a non-human. But you know what? I'm going to say this. Because I know severe externalizers, they have profound emotions, profound. It's kind of like, you know, like a melting uh, M&M. They're crunchy on the outside, but they're soft and squishy on the inside. They are. They have emotions in there. But there's no way in hell that they're going to blame those emotions on themselves. There's no way in hell that they're going to talk to you about those emotions or meet you in the middle inside of an emotionally mature, intimate conversation or exchange. That is way too painful. It's in there, but you will never know about it and it will never be their fault and they will never take ownership of it. They might send you a text that's loving. They might leave a voicemail that's loving. They might send a video that's loving. But actually communicating and telling you how they feel and where their pain lies and what they've been through. An externalizer has been through many, many things, most likely. But they've gotten through it. They don't look back. They've gotten over it. And so now they live this facade the facade that everything is okay. Everything's okay, everything's okay, everything's okay, and now it's not. It's kind of mind-blowing. Internalizers are often seen as overly sensitive or too emotional. When internalizers experience a painful emotion, they're much more likely to look sad or cry. Just the sort of display an emotionally phobic parent can't stand. I mean, for shit's sake. Isn't that good? 
An emotionally immature parent seeing a child act emotionally is kryptonite, people. When externalizers have strong feelings, they act them out in behavior before they experience much internal distress. So they're starting to feel something. So there's explosions. There's chaos. There's reaction. I can't feel this, so I'm going to react. Other people are likely to see externalizers as having a behavioral problem rather than an emotional issue, even though emotions are what is causing the behavior. I'm telling you, the emotions in there, the chocolate's in the center of the crispy outer shell, but you'll never know it because they act outward. Emotionally immature parents may yell at or punish externalizers for their behavior, whereas they're more likely to dismiss or reject an internalizer's feelings with shame, contempt, or derision, derision. I don't even know that word. Let's just say feelings with shame and contempt. They don't want to feel that. Their brain understands bad behavior. This is easy. You have bad behavior. I'm going to recognize it as bad behavior. I don't even recognize that you're an externalizer, but you're acting bad. I cannot deal with that. So now we are going to get into a whole thing and you are going to be punished. Whereas an internalizer is going to come at me with sadness and tears and overwhelm. And I'm going to punish that in a different way. I'm disgusted by it. How dare you have emotions? You are just, you're too sensitive. You're too much. You're too much. Internalizers are extremely sensitive to the quality of emotional intimacy in their relationships. Their entire personality longs for emotional spontaneity and intimacy, and they can't be satisfied with less. So being an internalizer and and being in a relationship with someone that is emotionally immature, you're just, you, you end up holding the bag all the time. You're always empty. You're always longing and searching and thinking something is wrong with you. And because we have never put labels on this emotional immaturity and this emotional disconnect as being abuse, because it's not sexual, it's not physical, not getting hit, so there's no abuse here. We ha- we have had no language for this. It's never been called out, right? The internalizer spends 18 plus 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 years wondering what the hell is wrong with me? I don't feel love. I don't feel connection. Maybe this friend will help me feel connected. Maybe that drug will help me feel connected. Maybe shopping or this job or or my grades Or this boyfriend or girlfriend will make me feel this connection that I've been looking for my entire life and have not gotten because my appearance are emotionally immature disasters. And it's all about taking me to sports, feeding me, clothing me. And that's it. And again, this isn't about blame. It's about understanding. We have to understand where we're coming from. Because I'm going to tell you this right now. I talk to people every single day out in the world. 
And most people that come to see me are internalizers. They're trying to do the work. They do not blame the world for anything. They take it all on themselves. And that's why they're visiting with me because they want to understand the world and themselves better. And they want to make internal changes so that they can be healthier. Most people that are blaming the world aren't so much coming to me. Okay. But what I'm seeing time and time again are people coming to me inside of the shame of bad behavior looking for this emotional connection. Maybe they've had suicide attempts. Maybe they're inside of addiction. Maybe they were profoundly promiscuous in their 20s or teens. Maybe they started down the bad behavior path as an internalizer, looking for either validation or attention from their parents. Because you know what? People will get it any way they can. We see this and we've heard about this before. Like no attention is worse than bad attention. That's a real thing. And so you're you're a very sweet child who gets ignored all the time. And then all of a sudden you're noticing this like lashing out or bad behavior or getting into trouble. And then the parents pay attention to the kid and they're going to the office and they're going to school and now we're going to therapy. And at least I'm being yelled at. At least they're talking to me now. At least I have my parents engaged. But when these people get into this promiscuous or bad behavior or addiction, love addiction, sex addiction, shopping addiction, work addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, they're looking for something. They're either looking for something or trying to check out one of the two. Because being alone, being truly lonely and feeling disconnected from the world around you is profoundly painful. It's confusing. You feel like you don't belong. You feel like an alien on this planet. What's wrong with me? Why am I so different? Why don't I have connection to anyone? Why doesn't anyone understand me? What is going on? Why am I so unlovable? That's pain, people. And then you start down the path of getting in these wrong relationships where someone love bombs you. I mean, this is the perfect storm, right? You've got someone, an internalizer, who is dying for emotional connection, and they meet a narcissist love bomber who gives them everything that they've ever looked for in their entire life. In the first five minutes of meeting them, And this person that is starving, starving for affection, starving for love, starving for connection and intimacy and someone to see them runs into a narcissist who's got like love bombing 101 down to a science. They know exactly what to do. They know exactly how to get you. And then this person's parents are like, why do they date assholes? Because now you're in this emotionally abusive relationship, very likely physically abusive relationship with this narcissist. You have no idea how you got there, but you will do anything to get back to that love bombing stage. You will you will stay inside of the emotional abuse. You will stay inside of the physical abuse. You will do absolutely anything to get back to the love that you got in the beginning of the love bombing phase with the narcissist. 
all bets are off. You will put up with anything. You will make any excuse. You will ignore every single red flag. And everyone around you is going to say, I just don't understand why why they stay in this awfully horrible, abusive relationship. I'll give you one guess. One guess. Because they never had anything like it before. It's something they've been searching for for their whole life. And this is why empaths get with narcissists. This is why empaths and narcissists, until both are healed, even though I don't know if you can heal a narcissist, they say there's no cure, but narcissistic behavior, let's just say that. But until an empath, until an internalizer stops looking for that outside validation and starts being healthy and stops looking for that love bomb and starts to recognize all of these different behaviors and people, they will continue to go down the path of finding narcissists because what they're really looking for is connection. And in the beginning, a narcissist knows exactly how to play the game, exactly how to play the game. I'm going to keep talking about this stuff for at least one or two more episodes and, you know, really, really make sure I I round this out and get everything that I went, you know, want to get in to this, this series. I did go back. I do not listen to my own podcast because I recorded it. So why? But I did listen to the first episode of the series and I never, ever do that. And I got to say it was it was a little I don't know overwhelming I guess listening to that episode because of the passion and the trauma I guess that came out of that episode um if you ha- if this is the first in this series that you're listening to I would suggest going back and listening to the episodes you know 1 2 3 etc of this series because it it does make a complete picture of attachment disorder. And it's not a complete picture. I'm, you know, I'm just really touching on some of it. I really hope that you can get something out of this and change your life. If nothing else, go buy the book. Again, the book's name that I'm referencing and speaking about in this series is Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents, How to Heal from Distant, Rejecting, or Self-Involved Parents by Lindsay C. Gibson. I wish you nothing but healing and transformation and peace. If you know someone that could benefit from this episode, maybe someone that keeps getting into narcissistic relationships or the like, um, please send this to them. If you haven't had an opportunity to give wherever you listen to this um, a review or some stars or whatever, I really would appreciate it. It does really help my ranking as far as podcasts go. So thanks so much for listening and I'll see you guys here next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillits.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.